What up, 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 everybody, one and all, whatever you call yourselves, and welcome to this Friday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. Give, give yourself a round of applause. Give, give yourself a round of applause. We have made it a whole week recording a Logan Blackman Show episode. That is some very rare things the past couple weeks that we, I don't remember the last time we've had three consecutive days of recording a show and putting out content consistent. I mean, we put out content consistently because the two times I didn't record a show during that weird two-week stretch was I was recording NFL preview videos. And if you remember some of the things in the NFL preview videos, there were some teams that I did not think as highly of going into the season as I do after week one. I, Jeez, very reactive response right there. Like, do I am I gonna just completely fold on all my predictions? No, 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 not at all. But I do feel a little less confident as I did by the time I record those videos because if you look at around the NFL right now and look at some of the better teams around the league now, again, it's one week, but we already have one prediction, a hundred percent wrong, and that is the Houston Texans going zero and seventeen. That is no longer happening. That can't happen because of the fact they beat the Jacksonville Jaguars week one of the NFL season. And the Jaguars, I had them going 4-13. and 13. I think we might just switch the Texans and Jaguars records. Now, I don't think the Jaguars will go 0-17, but they're not going to be good. I mean, 4-13 and 13 is not a good record, but it's better than 1-15 what they were last year. At the start of the season, the one game that I could have realistically saw the Texans winning was week one against Jacksonville because of the fact it was at home. And the Jaguars were not planning on having a great year. So if I, in hindsight, I would have gone 1-16 for the Texans, 3-14 for the Jaguars. Because remember last year, the the Texans looked good last week. I'm not taking anything away from the Texans looked good last week. But the Jaguars beat the Indianapolis Colts, a playoff team, in the week, week one of the regular season, and then proceeded to win no games after that. But I'm still not confident with some of the predictions around here. But the Jaguars thing, we're talking about them first. Because of the fact that circulating, the things that are circulating around their head coach at this point in time in Urban Meyer. If you watch the AFC preview video, which was the first one I did out of the two preview videos that I did. I said that the college football head coach thing in the NFL can go on one of three tiers. Top tier, you have like, I don't know, Pete Carroll, someone up there. I don't remember the exact coach. Jimmy Johnson was the coach we said. Pete Carroll, Jimmy Johnson up there. Middle tier, Nick Saban. And then bottom tier, Bobby Petrino. And from what it looks like right now, we are leaning very, very heavily towards Bobby Petrino area (laughs) right there. Bobby Petrino, I think John McKay is another example I used, but not on the tier list, because he's a great coach. He was put in the worst circumstance ever taking over the expansion team of a Buccaneers team that is the worst expansion team not just in NFL history in sports history that team somehow has managed to win two Super Bowls I don't know how the hell that's managed to happen but after the the 70s ended and the 80s ended the 90s kind of ushered in a newfound confidence I guess they started drafting better in one draft they got Warren Sapp and Derek Brooks Two future Hall of Famers, two of the best of their positions throughout the time they were in the NFL. Derek Brooks changed the way you look at smaller linebackers. Derek Brooks 
one of the great, no, the greatest small linebacker in NFL history. Body of a safety. People were scared to draft him in the first round. The Buccaneers took a shot at him, I think, the 27th pick. Somewhere around the 20s. I don't remember exactly where he got picked. Warren Sapp dropped because of drug drug problems or drug reports that he met, failed drug tests at Miami. And it was all surrounding, I think it was cocaine was the big thing that they did. Or that they talked about. And his draft stock plummeted. And both Derek Brooks and Warren Sapp are in the Hall of Fame, and rightfully so. And they're ushering in that Super Bowl winning team of the 2001 season where they beat up on the Oakland Raiders in the Super Bowl. <laughs> But that moment, those drafting those two ushered in a new era because the Buccaneers were ass all the way up till that point of drafting Warren Sapp and Derek Brooks. They had the ugly creamsicle jerseys, that nostalgic. Look, they're nostalgic. You go, oh, yeah, those are sweet. Watching them, like, every single week, I don't think I could do that. They are bad uniforms. It made it even better that they were bad with the uniforms being bad as well. <laughs> like, you were just bad on top of bad. And John McKay got thrusted into that, left USC after winning multiple national championships, and goes to the Bucks, and it went pretty much how you expected. Terrible. But then they started building something. Leroy Selman was the first great player in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers history. But John McKay I don't put on that tier list because I think he was just messed up, put in a bad situation. He made the best of it. John McKay is one of the greatest mic'd up coaches, mic'd up people in the NFL of all time, John McKay is some of the greatest lines in NFL history. We saw Brian Kelly reference a John McKay line against Florida State when Notre Dame barely beat Florida State. <laughs> the execution line, John McKay said that. One of the reporters asked John McKay, hey, what do you think of your team's execution today? He said, I'd be in favor of it. That's what he said. We can't stop a pass or a run, otherwise we're in great shape. Well, we couldn't block, but we made up for it by not tackling. There, like, There's so many great quotes from John McKay, but Bobby Petrino, the way he left Atlanta, that is what I'm picturing Urban Meyer as right now. Bobby Petrino came into Atlanta with the idea, or at least the thought process, that he's going to have Michael Vick. Michael Vick's coming off his best year in the NFL to that point, and Bobby Petrino comes in. Michael Vick's not there. Petrino dips, because Michael Vick got arrested, for those of you unaware. But Petrino was gone after like 13 games. He was done. And though Urban Meyer is the, I think he's the GM in Jacksonville, they gave him a shit ton of like things to do in Jacksonville in regards to getting paid. GM and head coach in your first ever stint in the NFL is a daunting task for even the best of them. And Urban Meyer has never coached in the NFL. Ever. The Texans did the same thing with Bill O'Brien, and looked how well that turned out for them. It's very rare a head coach works as well as a head coach as a GM. Bill Belichick has had, if you look at his draft history, Bill Belichick has not been a good drafter. They are insanely good at trades and fleecing people, and this is the first offseason they've spent money. Right? Head coach to GM doesn't always work. It can, but it doesn't always work. And this is not working in Jacksonville. I get it's only after one game, but the reports from the offseason about how players and people inside the organization are not liking how Urban Meyer is running things, he's treating it like a college program, it's not going to fly very, well, very long. And week one against the team that everybody thought was going to be the worst team in the NFL, they got shit stomped. 
Tyrod Taylor looked nothing like Tyrod Taylor. That's how bad the Jaguars played week one. Tyrod Taylor in week one against the Jacksonville Jaguars looked like a guy you want to build your franchise around, not a guy that goes, okay, he won't turn the ball over, he won't take any risks, he won't turn, he, he'll just be a nice quarterback. But we're going to get a guy of in eventually. Look at all the teams he's been to. The Bills drafted Josh Allen. Browns drafted Baker Mayfield. The Chargers drafted Justin Herbert. And the Texans are in that weird limbo of Deshaun Watson's here. He ain't playing. One, because he doesn't want to play. And two, there's a lot of stuff going on with Deshaun Watson behind the scenes that we're not going to get into now. And they're going to draft a quarterback first pick overall. If they do end up getting the first pick, which might not be them because of how bad Jacksonville looks. And in Urban Meyer's history as a head coach, and, you know, being the always right guy all the time. Like, I'm going to do the thing that's right, not take the easy way out. Like, I saw this on Twitter or Instagram. I can't remember exactly where I saw this. What health situation is Urban Meyer going to say he has now to get out of the Jaguars job? Because remember, that's how he left Florida, got health issues, went to the booth, and then went to Ohio State. And then had a lot of drama at Ohio State, left, Oh, he's done coaching. Oh, no, he's going to go to the Jaguars. And then now, one of the biggest jobs in college football is available. USC, the University of Southern California, now has a coaching opened, coaching vacancy. Clay Helton, unsurprising. I mean, if you've been following college football for even like a year, you would know that Clay Helton and USC have never gotten along. Never. Clay Helton has been on the hot seat pretty much every ever since he's been at USC. And every single year, it looks like, oh, he's going to step down. Oh, he's going to step down. Oh, they're going to fire him. Oh, they're going to fire him. Oh, they actually fired him this time. He's never had a great relationship with the fans of USC. The, organ- the organization, well, I get, uh, well, the school, USC, it's just not been a good situation over there with Clay Helton. He's not, had, he's not a bad head coach. He just doesn't fit what USC they're a big-time program. USC can't go, in, can't go every year winning nine games. That's ridiculous. That's where peasants, that's how many games peasants win. UCLA has a good year if they win nine wins. Why, why are we stooping down to UCLA's level? Hell, we're ranked below USC. I don't even think it was the Stanford loss. I mean, Stanford, uh, we talked about that. Shit stomped USC to an oblivion on Saturday. But the fact UCLA is ranked top 15 and USC is now outside the top 25, they can't have that. They have been ass for like the past five years, UCLA. And now they're better than USC? With a top-tier quarterback and a top-tier wide receiver and some decent players on defense? What? This can't fly. This is illegal. Clay Helton, you're fired. So now, unsurprisingly, though USC has not been the greatest team of all time recently, it's still a massive job. That's one of the jobs people want in college football. And you think Urban Meyer, with the way he's left different colleges, is not thinking about joining USC? He cried a quote. (laughs) I I saw this yesterday. So I didn't get to talk about it on Wednesday's show. But he said, (laughs) Urban Meyer on USC job, no chance. Jaguars head coach shuts down speculation he returned to college football. I'm committed to Jacksonville. Okay, Urban. I'll... uh, Let's quote Patrick Mahomes here. I'll see it when I believe it. Now, obviously the quote is, I'll believe it when I see it. But, you know, Patrick Mahomes, he does things different around here. Remember that. He does everything perfect. And if he says it that way, that means that's the way we have to say it now. Urban Meyer, (laughs) I would be absolutely shocked if he's not the USC head coach 
by December. I don't think he's staying in Jacksonville. I don't care that he said he doesn't, he's not planning on leaving. I think he said that like 500 times throughout his career. I'm not leaving. I'm committed here. One thing that I think of with Urban Meyer is integrity. (laughs) That's the first word I think of with Urban Meyer. And he's going to swindle his way out of it because that just seems what he always does. He did that at Ohio State. He did it at Florida. And now top five position in college football is available. And you're telling me he won't take it? Knowing what we know about Urban Meyer? (laughs) He's running the Jaguars like a college team. (laughs) Why would he not... Why would this be any different? Like, just go back to USC. <laughs> just, or go back. Just go to USC. Give the Jaguars job to somebody that's actually qualified to be in the NFL or has NFL coaching experience, or give it to Byron Leftwich, which is what I really want, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers offensive coordinator. Go back to Jacksonville, the team that drafted you. Be fun to watch. I'd be all for Byron Leftwich getting there. But I've also heard for USC, James Franklin, the Penn State head coach, has been linked with the job as well. Same with uh, Eric Bieniemy, the Chiefs offensive coordinator. So we're going to have a lot of big names. I, Matt Campbell, I think, popped up just because every time there's a head coaching vacancy, Matt Campbell just pops up. Regardless of if it's actually a real rumor or if it's just, oh, yeah, Matt Campbell's at Iowa State. Oh, he shouldn't be at Iowa State because we still have in the mind that Iowa State's this ass program that wins three to four games every single year and randomly beats a top 10 team. That's not them anymore. They're a top 10 team that randomly lose to... <laughs> no. I saw something on Twitter, though, that said if Matt Campbell goes to USC, expect USC to rock some... <laughs> uh, uh, what do they call that color? Whatever UCLA's color is, I don't know what they call that. It's a specific color. It's not Carolina blue. It's darker. But they're going to be rocking jerseys that color. Oh, man. But yeah, Urban Meyer, I, d- I don't believe he's committed to Jacksonville whatsoever. <laughs> I don't think anybody does. If you believe... Urban Meyer is truly committed to Jacksonville. I could be completely wrong about this, but from how this thing has started to where it is right now, I would be shocked if he's not the USC head coach, or at least out of Jacksonville. Nick Saban left the NFL after one year. Bobby Petrino left after 13 games. Urban Meyer should do the exact same thing, but he's going to batten down like this and say, I'm not leaving, I'm not leaving, I'm not leaving, and then leave. Just make it worse by the fact you're going, oh, I'm not going to leave, and then just leave. But Bobby Petrino did it the right way. <laughs> leave basically in the middle of the night. Don't tell anybody. Just leave. <laughs> and now he's coaching Missouri State, which is weird. Good Lord, it's weird. There was one season where the Missouri Valley Football Conference had built Bo Pelini and Bobby Petrino coaching in the conference for two well, Bobby Trino's coaching an ass team in Missouri State. Bo Pelini coached Youngstown State for a little bit. They were all right. I mean, Youngstown State's not really going to threaten anybody, but they're all right. They're an all right team. Missouri State, they're never an all right team. <laughs> they're always ass. The only team, we've talked about this before, the only team that can keep Missouri State out of last place is Western Illinois. It's a real Cubs and Astros thing from the old NL Central where you got... The Cubs, who are ass, losing 100 games, but at least you had the Astros losing 110 games. That's always what you had, and that's what... Hey, Missouri State might be bad, but at least they won a game. Sure, it was against Western Illinois, but if they won a game, they're not 0-12 or 0-11, however many games Missouri Valley Conference plays that year, because it's random. FCS is not consistent with how many games teams play. You'll see some teams with 11, some teams with 12. It's random. 
I don't understand it. But speaking of that, just a random tidbit, you and I announced that Theo Day will be the starting quarterback at UNI. That's good. They're playing St. Thomas this week for their home opener, and it, they should brush them aside realistically. I don't know what's going to go on with Will McIlvain this season if he goes to the transfer portal. I mean, I wouldn't expect him to stay at UNI. But, hey, Will's a competitor, and I could see him sticking it out and try to be out Theo Day, but the way that UNI's offense woke up against Sacramento State in that third quarter, not just second half, the third quarter, makes me think that that's Theo's for the foreseeable future. I don't think there's going to be any offseason competition. Unless Theo just completely slams down the rest of the season. I think it's his job for however long he stays at UNI. And Will, I don't know where or if he transfers. Who knows? I'm excited to see where he goes, though, if he does transfer. But sticking, I'm going to go back to the NFL because this is something I wanted to talk about for Wednesday's show but never got to. So we watched the Ravens versus the Raiders game on Monday Night Football. Crazy game. This was another game that we talked about where the team that won, the Oakland Raiders, Las Vegas Raiders, are they played better than what I expected, which wasn't like, they didn't play amazing. The Ravens turned the ball over twice. They basically handed the Raiders the win. And yeah, Raiders didn't play great. Ravens played worse. And that's what happened. It was a fun game. I mean, I never expected the <laughs> the Raiders to drive all the way down to the one yard line to proceed to throw an interception that bounced off a Ravens player's head. And then two plays later, Lamar Jackson fumbles and the Raiders kick a field goal to win. Never would have thought that would have happened, but that's the reality we live in. <laughs> we had two uh, overtime games week one, Bengals-Vikings, Raiders-Ravens. And the team that I thought would be better out of both those games lost. <laughs> and they both shot themselves in the foot multiple times. Vikings had multiple offensive penalties and a questionable fumble, which I've seen talked about a lot recently, and the Ravens just fumbling it. Lamar had over 300 yards of total offense, but he didn't have over 250 yards passing, so that obviously brought up the fact, or the, the people out there that say Lamar Jackson's not a good quarterback. You see those people all over the place. I saw something, it was like the la- Lamar's thrown for over 250 yards, or hasn't thrown for over 250 yards since a certain year, I don't remember when. But there was a certain standard of quarterbacks that they popped up that have thrown 250 plus yards in a game, and it wasn't great. The one that sticks out to me the most was Mike Glennon. But, uh, yeah. But on the other side of the ball, for the Oakland Raiders, oh, jeez, I did it again, Las Vegas Raiders, I saw something on, when was this, last Friday, and I was going to talk about it Monday, and then after the game, on Monday night, it got brought up again on Tuesday, so I was going to bring it up on Tuesday, or a Wednesday show, and then I forgot to both times. Wednesday show, we got all talking about uh, different ranking systems. We had the Heisman rankings and we had the top 10 quarterbacks in the draft class rankings. So if you haven't, go and check out the NFL draft class quarterback rankings. They're on my Twitter, on my social media pages. You can go follow me on social media and you can see those. Or you can just search loganblackmanshow.com and go to the blog section on the website and see that for yourself. But something that got brought up this past weekend was Keyshawn Johnson posted a top five quarterbacks list The best quarterbacks in the NFL, according to Keyshawn Johnson. And I don't remember how the list went exactly. Did I take a screenshot of it? Apparently, I did not take a screenshot of it because I didn't really care. (laughs) Because it it was a really, it was, it was a pretty standard list for the most part. But you like, you have your, I think it was like Aaron Rodgers, Mahomes, Brady, 
Russell Wilson, maybe. I, I mean, Deshaun Watson might have been in there. I don't remember who exactly was. Maybe Lamar was in there. I don't know. Josh was not. But instead of the other quarterbacks I mentioned, because I know it was Rodgers, Mahomes, Wilson, and then someone else, and then number five was Derek Carr. I have been one of the Derek Carr defenders over the past couple years where I think that that dude gets way too much hate for how good of a quarterback he is, similarly to Kirk Cousins. I don't think those two should get as much hate as they do at all. Don't understand. Like, every single offseason, it feels like the Raiders are linked with some quarterback. It's every single year. The Raiders have never been, according to the media, committed 100% to Derek Carr. And I've never understood that. And then even last year, it was like Derek Carr is going to move on and become a backup somewhere. He's not a backup quarterback. If he left Las Vegas this past year, he was going to go somewhere to start. The Bears were the most likely destination. He had Cleo Mack there. The Raiders and Bears have already done deals before. He would go and be the starter with the Ra- or with the Bears. Every play, the Washington football team, there's no place Derek Carr was going to go to be a backup. But that kept getting brought up. I don't know why it got brought up, but he played well on Monday night. But do I think just because he played well and just because I defend him and think he's a starter in this league, do I think he's a top five quarterback? Hell no do I think Derek Carr is a top five quarterback. This got brought up on ESPN, and Keyshawn Johnson's right there. This is after the Raiders just beat the Ravens. Derek Carr in the game, 34 of 56, 435 yards, two touchdowns, one pick. That's the stat line for Derek Carr against the Ravens. And the headline is, is Derek Carr an elite QB? No. He's a good QB. And there's nothing wrong with being a good QB. Kirk Cousins is a good QB. Now, if I were to go through the starting quarterbacks in the NFL and tell you which ones that I think are elite quarterbacks, and this is in no order. I'm just on ESPN right now. I went to the team section. So I'm going to go through each team and say which quarterback I think is elite. I think Josh Allen's elite. I think that's it from the AFC East. I think Lamar's elite. I think Joe Burrow's on his way to being elite, but not right now. Baker, he's a good quarterback as well. Him and Derek Carr are on the same level to me. Deshaun Watson, if he's in there, is elite. That dude is a baller. Go to the AFC West. Patrick Mahomes. I think Justin Herbert is on his way to being elite. He's closer than any of the other quarterbacks to being elite. You cannot... I I saw this on Instagram. It was like, Justin Herbert broke almost every single rookie passing record, and people say he's overhyped. What the hell does he need to do? Like, how is he overhyped? He broke every single, almost every single major passing record for a rookie last year. With Anthony Lynn as his head coach. That deserves praise more than anything. I put him on a borderline elite thing. I think he could win the MVP this year. We talked about in the preview video. I think he could do it. You look at their O-line. He didn't play amazing against the Washington football team. But their off-the-line improvements, Justin Herbert can win the MVP. I would not be surprised if he did. So you know what? I'm going to throw him in there. So what? We got Herbert, Mahomes, Watson, Lamar, Josh. Then go to the NFC East. Is Dak elite? He's pretty close. We'll put Dak in there. Then you go to the NFC North. Rodgers, so there's seven. NFC South, Brady's still elite, so there's eight. And then the NFC West, I mean, Russell Wilson's obviously elite. I think Kyler Murray's on his way to being elite, and then you could argue Matthew Stafford. So there's like ten quarterbacks around that that are elite. Derek Carr is not in there. For me, that could be different. I think he's a top 15 quarterback, but that's cool. (laughs) I don't, he's not elite. He's not a top five quarterback. I don't know what you see in Derek Carr to make him a top five quarterback. Do I think he's a good quarterback? Yes. Top five? No way in hell. I don't remember what the list said. I wish I took a screenshot of the list that Keyshawn Johnson said, but Derek Carr does not belong with those guys. 
And Lamar Jackson is getting a lot of hate and has been over the past year to the point where it's like, if we're talking about what elite quarterbacks do, what makes a quarterback elite is doing things that no other quarterback can do, or at least some things that other very few quarterbacks can do. That makes you elite. That separates you from everybody else. Lamar is not an amazing like thrower of the football, okay? But they got better wide receivers this offseason to improve that. Lamar is a hard worker. You've seen his pictures from his rookie year to his second year. Look how much bigger he was. And you can tell this year that he's gotten better as a passer. He didn't play great against the Ravens or against the Raiders. Overthrew some receivers, but some receivers dropped the ball as well. Just get some consistency from the wide receiver core, and he'll be fine. Rashad Bateman's going to come back sometime soon. Hopefully Hollywood Brown stays healthy. Sammy Watkins stays healthy. And their running back, Tyson Williams, I think was his name, he looked good in his first ever NFL game. First ever NFL start. They just signed Devontae Freeman to their official roster today as well. But Lamar is the best athlete on the field at all times. There's things that he can do that no one else can do. And it's not even like others can't. Like Kyler Murray can do similar things to Lamar Jackson. He's not Lamar Jackson. I, I remember we talked about this. Tiki and Tierney had the conversation of who's better, Ryan Tannehill or Lamar Jackson, and then proceeded to go, it's Lamar Jackson's Ravens versus Derrick Henry's Titans. If you're going to argue which one's better, the guy that's the main focal point of their team is the better player. Okay? <laughs> you can't go... Yeah, Ryan Tannehill's a beast. So yeah, I would say it's not Ryan Tannehill's team, right? That's That makes sense, right? <laughs> Just because, I don't know. Ryan Tannehill looked like ass this last week, but his O-line did him no favors either. Titans looked like ass in general last week. And Kyler Murray threw five, four touchdowns and five, one rushing touchdown. He was week one's MVP, which I don't like that they're doing that every single week. It should be a once-a-year trophy. <sighs> Whatever. I don't. I don't care. I don't care. I'm not, I'm not mad. I'm not mad. I'm not mad. But no, Derek Carr is not a top five quarterback. I'm fine with him being top 15. I can understand arguments for like top 12, but top five. I think he's a great leader, and he showed that in the game on, on Monday night. Showed great perseverance. His hairline showed great perseverance as well. But, nah. He's not, he's not top five, not at all, and he's not elite either. <laughs> I don't, what's his elite trait? Because that's kind of what we look for. And when you're talking about elite quarterbacks, like they got to do something that's elite. They have some sort of elite trait. Lamar Jackson's is his athletic ability. Josh Allen's is his arm talent. Mahomes is his ad-lib ability. Aaron Rodgers, to a certain extent, is ad-lib ability, plus arm talent and doesn't turn the ball over. Like what? What is? What does Carr do? That's elite. Like half his passes went to Dar Darren Waller. What happens if Darren Waller's out of the game? Like what does he do? That's elite. One thing I just need to hear one thing Derek Carr does that's elite. You don't need to be elite to be a good quarterback. That's that's what I'm trying to say here. All the quarterbacks that I named earlier can do have elite features. Kyler Murray, his athleticism plus his arm strength. Another one there. That can throw for a shit ton of yards and can move very well. Tom Brady just wins all the damn time. 
Like, what? what is Derek Carr's thing? His niche. Because I don't know what it is. Someone can help me. I don't know, because he doesn't do anything better than the quarterbacks I've mentioned. Except, I don't, I don't know. Hairline came back? I mean, none of the quarterbacks on here have had their hairlines grow back. That was the first thing I noticed of Derek Carr on, on Monday night. Was, wow, he's got hair. That hairline was receding awfully quick. It was starting to look like a McDonald's logo, and then now he's got hair again. Just out of freaking nowhere. <laughs> oh, man, but Derek Carr, I like him. I like Derek Carr. And Derek Carr and the Raiders will take on the Steelers this week. So that'll be fun. Steelers have one of the best defenses in the NFL versus Derek Carr. And the Raiders' defense played decent. Max Crosby played out of his damn mind. Everybody else was kind of the Ravens shooting themselves in the foot a little bit. Alejandro Villanueva did not do well in the game at right tackle. I don't know. The Ravens, I'm not as confident as... I mean, I had them going, I think, 12-4? and four? Or 12-5? and five? Yeah, 12-5. and five. I had them teetering between 12-5 and five and 11-6. and six. I don't know. They'll figure it out. They figured it out late in the season last year. They'll figure it out this year. But for the rest of the NFL, here's some other games we got to look forward to. So tonight, we got the Giants and Washington football team. That game is going on soon. I am not. I'm recording the show at a normal time. It's 556. I'm recording it at a decently normal time. Can you believe it? Because I can't. So I haven't. I don't know what's going on in the Washington football team versus the Giants. I know Daniel Jones is 4-0 against the Washington football team, which is really weird. And yeah, we'll see how that game goes. Taylor Heineke back at the starting quarterback for Washington as Ryan Fitzpatrick now on the IR. Sunday, you got the Bills at the Dolphins and Josh Allen. Ever since he's been in the league, the Dolphins have been... <laughs> I don't really know how I want to say this. The Dolphins have been Josh Allen's bitch pretty much the entire time he's been in the NFL. Josh Allen's faced the Dolphins six times in his career. He's been named AFC Offensive Player of the Week three of those times. 20 total touchdowns, four turnovers. The Bills are 5-1 and one in those games. The one time they lost was his first game against the Dolphins where Charles Clay should have caught the touchdown that would have won the game. And they didn't. And they lost. But both every time they've been in Buffalo, it's been pretty bad. <laughs> it's been pretty bad. But yeah, the they're favored by three points. I think the Bills could cover that pretty easily. Then you've got the Bengals and Bears, Texans, Browns, Rams, Colts, Pats, Jets, 49ers, Eagles, the Raiders and the Steelers, Saints, Panthers, Broncos, Jaguars. Then we got the Chargers and Cowboys, Vikings, Cardinals, Bucks, Bucks, Falcons, Titans, Seahawks, Chiefs, Ravens for Sunday Night Football, and then Monday Night, a burn burner between a team that got beat 38-3 and a team that took the 49ers to the last drive of the game. Yes, it's the Lions and the Packers. And it's not the way that you'd think it went. <laughs> you'd think the Packers would have been challenging the 49ers not getting their shit stomped in by the New Orleans Saints and Jameis Winston throwing five touchdowns on 100-something yards passing. But if we're looking at this whole, the whole landscape of the NFL and we're having to pick some games because I want to do some picks this week, the games that are, are standing out to me in particular are the Bills-Dolphins. That one's a very intriguing game to be because, like we said, Josh Allen has had great success against the Miami Dolphins over his career. The offense has struggled against the Pittsburgh Steelers. They have won the two games they played against the Steelers, but the offense has not played amazing against the Steelers over their time of the past three years, where they played them every single year over the past three years. And the Steelers stole that one. We talked about that. The Steelers stole it. The Bills did not play great in the second half, and they had some things not go their way in the game as well. They'll bounce back against the Dolphins. 
They picked off two, I think, five times the last game last year, or three times last year in the last game of the season. Against their the backup Bills did that. Not the starters, the backup Bills did that. And he played all right against New England Patriots week one, but we'll see how he does this week. But that game will be fun. I'd take the Bills in that one. Plus, or minus three. Yeah, I think Buffalo can handle themselves there. Then other games we got on here on the docket. What are other games that are pretty, like... Uh, there's nothing really that's that out of... Wow, I mean, Lions-Packers, 11 points for how bad the Packers played week one. I know Aaron Rodgers owns the Lions, but that feels like a lot going off how bad the Packers played. And maybe they just absolutely annihilate the Detroit Lions in week <laughs> this week. Maybe they do. Maybe that's exactly how it goes. And the Packers proved last week was just a fluke, but then people go, oh, that's against the Lions. They're expected to win, like, two games this year. <laughs> uh, but that seems big for how bad the Packers played week one, but they should annihilate the Lions. They should annihilate the Packers. The Chiefs-Ravens is an intriguing one. Lamar Jackson's never beat Patrick Mahomes in his career. He's looked bad while playing against Patrick Mahomes in his career as well. Chiefs are favored by three and a half in Baltimore. I think the Chiefs can cover that one because... They've always played well against the Ravens, and the Ravens did not play very well against the Las Vegas Raiders, and the Chiefs have a better defense than the Raiders and have more threats than the Raiders do. The Raiders have Max Crosby, and that's pretty much it, if we're being 100% honest. Chandler Jones, or not Chandler Jones, Chris Jones, up the middle will be an absolute bitch and a half to handle for the Baltimore Ravens. <laughs> and Ty Tyron Matthew at safety, that'll be a tough game for the Ravens. Bucks, Falcons, 12 and a half in favor of Tampa Bay in Tampa with how bad the Falcons looked defensively and offensively last week against the Eagles. Yeah, the, that one, that would be an interesting one. But 12 and a half. NFL games are really weird. You never see games that are double digits like this. And we're seeing two of them. Falcons, Bucks, Lions, Packers. Double digit spreads in these games. I think the Cardinals, Vikings, three and a half for the Cardinals in Arizona. You saw what Chandler Jones did to the Tennessee Titans. The Vikings off the line did next to nothing except hold the entire time against the Cincinnati Bengals. Chandler Jones should have a fun, fun day against Minnesota unless they're going to get something going in the run game, which is not what they did last week against Cincinnati. And then out wide for Arizona, you got a bunch of weapons, so we'll see how they do there. They struggled against a really young wide receiver core in Cincinnati. After DeAndre Hopkins balled out against Tennessee, who we've talked about has a terrible defense. We knew that going into the season. They had one top four worst pass defenses last year, and the teams that were up there with them all had top five picks, and the Titans won 11 games last year. They looked bad against Arizona, and the Cardinals looked really good. They looked better than what I thought. They 9-8 and eight is what I had them going, which I still think is realistic. I still don't like Cliff Kingsbury as a coach, but that's whatever. Denver minus six at Jacksonville. Jacksonville looked bad. They looked really bad <laughs> week one. Like, really terrible. Saints-Panthers is an intriguing one. Minus three and a half to the Saints. Panthers are a good team. Not, like, insanely good. They're a very young team. We talked about that in the preseason, about how they have a lot of young pieces on defense. They kind of slowed down a little bit as the game went on against the New York Jets week one. But they've got some fun pieces. I'm intrigued to see what the Panthers do the rest of the season. And I don't know, I'm not saying bet those games, okay? I'm just saying what games are intriguing to me, okay? We'll talk about bets when we get to college football. NFL is pretty damn hard to bet. Oh, we have another 
12 point <laughs> game the Browns Texans yeah okay the Browns should absolutely shit stomp the Texans <laughs> oh man Bears Bengals could be an intriguing one Bears minus two and a half at home against the Bengals we'll see how that one goes see how soon Justin Fields gets introduced to the team but yeah that's all I've got for the NFL side of things let's take a quick sip of water <sighs> Now let's go over to college football because we're Iowans and we live and breathe college football. College football, the place where Urban Meyer will soon be coaching yet again. We got some fun top ten, top 25 matchups this weekend. Here's all the top 25 matchups you can see. Kent State, Iowa, Nebraska, Oklahoma, New Mexico, Texas A&M, Cincinnati at Indiana will be fun. Virginia Tech at West Virginia, Coastal Carolina at Buffalo, Michigan State at Miami, Northern Illinois at Michigan, Purdue at Notre Dame, Alabama at Florida, which will be really fun. Georgia Tech at Clemson, who won by 73-7 last year against Georgia Tech. Uh, Tulsa versus Ohio State. Georgia Southern versus Arkansas. South Carolina versus Georgia. Stony Brook versus Oregon. Auburn versus Penn State. Virginia versus North Carolina. Tulane versus Ole Miss. Arizona versus BYU. Iowa State against UNLV. Got a few friends that are going to that game. And then Fresno State versus UCLA. And like we talked about on Monday, we have a real NWA type thing going on over here. My friend Tom is the easy E. He's got the money that put forward to get us into this thing. And I'm the I'm the guy that writes everything. I'm the guy that does everything else. <laughs> got the money in. Now I do everything else. I'm the Ice Cube of this organization. And I'm perfectly cool with that. I, I think Ice Cube's the best member at WA. So I'm pretty chill with that. In regards to just rapping. I mean, obviously Dr. Dre's goaded in every other category. But Ice Cube in the rap industry is... A, an animal. If we're talking about producing, Dre's the goat. But as far as rapper, Ice Cube is a better rapper than Dre. He wrote a lot of Dre's things, and a lot of Dre's songs were written for him in regards to lyrics. Jay Z wrote both him and Snoop Dogg's verse on Still Dre, I believe it was. But we're we're the Ice Cube of this organization. We write our own stuff. We make our own decisions here. So we got our list again. Tom sent me this. The uh, no today. You sent me all this list today. We've got a shit ton of games to go over again, and I am not confident because I get too nervous. I had to ask him today that if I send this to you and you lock in the picks, how does it stay locked, or are you allowed to adjust it if I change my mind over something? And he said five minutes before kickoff, you can change it. So kind of like fantasy football. And now, I won the fantasy football league one year because... A kickoff happened after I saw, uh, right before I wanted to make a switch. The year I won fantasy football, it was Brandon Cooks and Michael Floyd, who was on the Arizona Cardinals at the time. Brandon Cooks was playing Monday Night Football for the Saints. Michael Floyd was playing Sunday Night Football. I don't remember who they were playing. But, long story short, I was trying to put in Michael Floyd, didn't get it in in time. Michael Floyd ended up having like three points in fantasy, which is not a lot. Brandon Cooks on Monday Night Football got me 22, and I won the league. So that's what you kind of need. So I'm hoping the first thing you you did pushes it forward. So the, these are my picks that I have right now. Subject to change, though, I might change them throughout the show. I might go, oh, wow, I don't really think this will work anymore. But we'll start off. We got a game on Friday night. We got UCF against Louisville. 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 And Louisville is... They, did, they looked really bad week one. Like, really bad against Ole Miss. Malik Cunningham was doing everything for Ole Miss, or for Louisville against Ole Miss, but they couldn't get anything going. And they're taking the underdog role right now at home 
at Cardinal Stadium, it was like KFC Yum Arena is their basketball arena. I was hoping it was something like that for football, but it's not. Six and a half, according to this line. But on Tom's thing, US, USF is a seven-point favorite over Louisville. US, UC, geez, I keep... Why do all these stupid Florida teams have these weird abbreviations like that? We have USF, UCF, USC. I know they're in California, so chill out. But it's weird nonetheless. But I think US, UCF can win by a touchdown against Louisville. Louisville's really one-dimensional. They lost some good pieces going to the draft last year, namely Tutu Atwell went to the LA Rams, I believe it was, wide receiver. That was a big blow. And they, they just looked terrible week one. You had a lot of mental mistakes. You had multiple targeting fouls. They just didn't look good. UCF did not look great in the first half against Boise State, but they kicked their ass in the second half. And I think Dylan Gabriel, if we're just going off basing off quarterbacks, Dylan Gabriel is a better quarterback than Malik Cunningham. I think it's close, but I do rate Dylan Gabriel a little bit higher than Malik Cunningham, so I am going to take UCF minus 7 over Louisville. Next one we got on here, Miami is at home against Michigan State. Michigan State has not been very good in a few years. They've looked pretty good to start the season. They're 2-0. They have a really nice running game. You got Kenneth Walker Jr., or Kenneth Walker III, I'm sorry, 321 yards and five touchdowns to his name this season. That's a lot of yards. Now, this is important to note, 264 of those yards and four touchdowns came against Northwestern Week 1. <laughs> so it's not that he's been that uber consistent throughout the season. They just kicked the shit out of Northwestern Week 1. Miami has struggled. The first week of the season against Alabama, they got shit stomped, which was very predictable. I think everybody should have known that was going to happen. Next week against Appalachian State, a nice bounce-back opportunity for them. They struggled. Beat them by two or three points. But they should be able, at home, they are good enough, I think, to beat Michigan State. Michigan State beat Northwestern and Youngstown State. Youngstown State was a team, remember we talked about them earlier? They're a pretty middle-of-the-road Missouri Valley football conference team. Which is a very, it's the toughest conference in college football for the FCS. But it's not something you should really write on and go, oh, yeah, they beat. They beat Youngstown State. That's a big time win right there. Big time win right there. Miami is coming off a massive loss against Alabama, the barely a win against Appy State, who was a really good FCS team, and it is a pretty good FBS team. And the line is at six, six and a half. At this point in time, this is subject to change. Because I'm not 100% confident in this. I really like Derek King. The problem is if Michigan State can keep the ball out of Miami's hands, just run the shit out of the ball with Kenneth Walker, then I think Michigan State can get the dub here. Not only cover, but get the dub there as well. So I'm, I'm intrigued to see how this one goes. This is subject to change. We'll probably come back to this later in the episode. We'll recap all the picks, but right now I'm feeling Miami. Next one, Pittsburgh hosting Western Michigan. 15 points. Pittsburgh should be able to beat Western Michigan by 15 they should be able to beat them by 15 points. Western Michigan is an all-right team. For They're an all-right MAC conference team. They're 1-1. One one. They got blown up by Michigan week one, which was what was expected. And then they beat a Illinois State team who is above average Missouri Valley Conference team. But I think Pitt should be able to beat them by 15 points. I think they should be able to. I think Pitt's a very nice team. You saw what they did against Tennessee last week as the underdogs in Nashville. No, are they in Nashville? No, they're not. Where the hell is Tennessee? I can't think. I know where they are. My uncle's a Tennessee fan. He's from Tennessee. I should know where this where they are. But Pitt should be able to cover against Western Michigan 15 points. That's a lot of points, but they should be able to cover. Next one, West Virginia 
hosting Virginia Tech. There's another ACC matchup right there. Another ACC game, I guess. Not matchup, because Virginia Tech's obviously in the ACC. I meant West Virginia. <laughs> They're in the Big 12. West Virginia's a two-and-a-half point favorite over Virginia Tech. They're coming off a win this past weekend against LIU, Long Island University Sharks, a team I never knew existed until right now. That's why I didn't say a team name, because it just says LIU. No idea what that team is. And they lost to Maryland Week 1. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this. They came back against Maryland. They tried to make a game out of it against Maryland, but too little too late, I guess. I am going to take Virginia Tech in this game. I think Virginia Tech's got a nice team. You saw what they did to North Carolina Week 1. That shocked everybody. A top 10 North Carolina Tar Heel team. I think they can. Sh- they should be able to beat West Virginia. They're two and a half point favorites, or two- three point underdogs. Sorry, Virginia Tech should be able to take down, or not take down, maybe not take down, but they should be able to cover. I think I'm not confident. I- there's okay. There's two games I'm not confident in: Miami, Michigan State, West Virginia, Virginia Tech. So make sure we take note of that. Oklahoma, Nebraska. Yeah, <laughs> 22 points. Take it. Nebraska stinks. Nebraska got shit stomped by Illinois Week One. I don't think they're going to have... I don't think Oklahoma, who just put up 70-something points week two, is not going to have any... I don't think they'll have any problems with Nebraska. At home, at home, they should be able to beat... They should be able to beat Nebraska by 22 points. That, that shouldn't be a real task for Oklahoma to do. Next one, we got Cincinnati at Indiana. Three and a half points in the line in favor of Cincinnati. Yeah, I think Cincinnati should win. They got the better quarterback in Desmond or Michael Penix is still trying to figure out his knee after coming off an ACL injury. Cincinnati should win that game. They have a good defense. They should be fine. Next one, we got Michigan hosting Northern Illinois. 27 points. These lines scare me. I hate massive-ass lines like this. Northern Illinois is coming off an impressive Week 1 win against Georgia Tech, and then a not-so-great game at home against Wyoming where they were down for a vast majority of the game. They were down 20-10 to at halftime, and it didn't get much better after that. Rocky Lombardi threw three interceptions in the game, Michigan has looked good. They have looked good to start the season. They beat up on Washington last week. They won week one against Western Michigan. They should be able to beat Western Illinois or Western Michigan. Western Illinois. No, no, geez, Northern Illinois. <laughs> I got all these Western and Northern teams in my head. Northern Illinois, 27 points. I'll take that. Next one, AM hosting New Mexico. New Mexico stinks. Yeah, take AM. 28 and a half. AM should be better this week. They struggled against Colorado, which was very predictable. Colorado's a very good team. They're not very good. They're a good team. Favored by 17 points against a good Colorado team on the road. Yeah, the, um, that was a pretty easy one to take right there. And then this one against New Mexico. New Mexico's not as good as Colorado. They're really nowhere close to Colorado. They're back at home. They got a new quarterback because their starter's out for a while. So we'll see how that one goes. Lay heavily on the run game, and we'll see if they... I think they should be able to beat them by 28 points in this game. Or 29 points in this game. Next one, Coastal Carolina at Buffalo. This one's a very, very intriguing matchup because people won't... Coastal Carolina, top 25 team. Number 16 team in the nation. Buffalo is not. But Buffalo's a good team. Buffalo's got some very nice players. Their quarterback's a returning starter. You got Kevin Marks at running back who has split time with Jarrett Patterson over the past two years. Took a little backseat roll to Patterson last year because Patterson started off the season on freaking fire. But Marks is a former 1,000-yard receiver as well. They've got good players. The line right now for Coastal Carolina at Buffalo is 13.5. That one is very intriguing. 
I think Buffalo might be able to win, lose this game by 13 or 10 points. I don't think... Either, when I originally did this, I had Coastal Carolina beating Buffalo by 13 and a half. Like, they took care of Kansas. They took care of the Citadel. I'm, in, I'm very intrigued by this game. Very, very intrigued by this game. Because being a Buffalo Bills fan, and in part watching some Buffalo Bulls football, and knowing what they like to do, they're a very hard team to beat. They do not make it easy to beat them. They lost to Nebraska 28-3 last week. Took Nebraska a while to get going last year. Every single game apart from the bowl game, they scored 35-plus points. <laughs> every single game apart from the bowl game. Or no, I read the, they lost their last game of the season. So every game they scored over 28 points. And one game they scored 70. One game they scored 56. Two games they scored 42. And another game they scored 49. Buffalo can score. And their defense is pretty solid. So we'll see how that one goes. I'll come back to that one. I'm not going to make an official pick on that one yet. Next one, Colorado-Minnesota. I like Colorado. Colorado should cover its two points of the line. Minnesota doesn't have Muhammad Ibrahim. Their offense looks bad. They struggled against, uh, was it Miami, Ohio last week? Take Colorado in that one. Next one, Kansas State hosting Nevada. Carson Strong, Romeo Dubs, they got some talent on offense. They should beat on Kansas State. They should beat Kansas State. The line's at two. I think Nevada will beat them. Notre Dame at hosting Purdue. The line's at seven. Notre Dame has been a weird, weird, weird team to start the year. A very weird team. Lo- winning both games, not convincingly, the two games they won were against a Florida State team that just lost to Jacksonville State on a last-second play, and then Toledo, who they beat, who were losing at most parts of this game. They're down at halftime 16-14. to I don't know what's going on with Notre Dame. Their run game's not really going. I really like Kyron Williams, but Jack Cohn's been playing... A lot better than what people are really expecting him to be this year. Purdue, this season, they beat Oregon State and UConn. So, not a murderous row of teams. But lines at 7, I don't know. I like Purdue in this game. I think Purdue can cover. I think they'll lose the game. But if you looked at Notre Dame's recent games, I think Purdue should be able to cover against the Fighting Irish. But again, subject to change as we go on later in the show. Next one, we've got Clemson, Georgia Tech. Clemson beat them 73-7 to last year or something along those lines. Georgia Tech lost to Northern Illinois week one, who just got shit stomped by Western Michigan. Or no, Wyoming. And the scoreline doesn't really show, but Western Michigan was up a lot in that game. Yeah, 28 and a half, Clemson should kill them. I don't care about the problems they're having on offense right now. They should rectify those against Georgia Tech. A team that, again, they beat by 70 points last year. Iowa hosting Kent State. Iowa has allowed 24 points a game in for freaking ever. Offense isn't great. Kent State... Not the greatest team in the world. I think Iowa should be able to cover this game. They got pounded by Texas A&M week one. They beat VMI week two, Virginia Military Academy. Or institution, not academy. It's an I, not an A. (laughs) I think Iowa should be able to cover against Kent State at home. Sold out crowd. Should be covered that one. Ohio State and Tulsa. Tulsa put Oklahoma State through a, a rigorous test. A very... Not, it shouldn't have been as surprising as it was, but they put Oklahoma State to the test week one. And then week or week two. Week one, they lost to UC Davis, a pretty good but recently pretty average FCS team. Historically, a pretty good team. Recently, there are a lot of 500 and just above 500 teams over UC Davis, and they lost 19-17. to 17. Ohio State should be able to cover this game. They'll, they should beat the brakes off Tulsa. They're 26.5-point favorites. They win, should win by 40 points. 
looking at the weapons they have on offense and how Tulane has not played well against, I mean, an average Oklahoma State team and a not great, an average FCS UC Davis, Ohio State should cover. USC with their coach getting fired against Washington State, eight and a half point favorites. I think USC should be able to cover that game. They should. Will they? I don't know. It's at Washington State, so that makes things a little bit more testy, I guess you could say. But USC is a They've got good players. They've got good players. You're watching the Washington State team that lost to Utah State week one by three points. USC should be able to go in to wherever the hell they play, Pullman, Washington, and beat <laughs> beat Washington State by around 10 points. That's what I would assume. Florida, Alabama, 15 and a half. Alabama should win. I mean, Florida's got quarterback issues. We don't know who's going to start this game. Emory Jones came into the season as a starter. Richardson came in, had a very good game in limited reps against USF. So I don't know what the starter is going to be, but I know Alabama's really good. And Alabama should be able to cover against Florida. Next game we got on here, Arkansas against Georgia Southern. Georgia Southern, not a great team. Arkansas coming off a massive win against Texas, 23.5. I do think Arkansas can cover that game. Wyoming, Ball State. Wyoming is the favorite. They got a seven-point favorite over Ball State, I think. Let's go over the Mac real quick. Let's see what this game is looking like from a – hyper-analyzed standpoint. They just got pounded by Penn State. They beat Western Illinois, a team that's terrible, by 10 points. They're a pretty good team, usually. Uh, Ball State, they won, what, 7-1 and one last year. They're struggling a little bit out of the gate this year. Maybe, with the, maybe they'll cover. I think I might say that they'll cover in this game, but I'm not too confident in that. I like Wyoming because it's Josh Allen University. This is subject to change by tomorrow, but Wyoming did not have a great season last year, but neither did a lot of the teams out west last year. You know what? I might change that. I might say Ball State covers against Wyoming, but time will tell. It's at Wyoming. Wyoming had a good week last week. It'll be tough. Then we got Mississippi State at Memphis. Memphis is an underdog, three-point underdog. Memphis's offense is insane, but in the same breath, their defense is ass. They have, like, every single year, it feels like Memphis leads the nation in total yards of offense and then is dead last in yards given up on defense. Their defense is bad, but I think they can outscore Mississippi State. I think you got Mike Leach as their head coach. He struggled week one against Louisiana Tech. I think Memphis can put up some points. I don't know if they'll be able to stop, so it'll be a really barn burner game this week. Could be like 60-55 to 55 or something like that this week down in Memphis. I think Memphis should be able to beat Mississippi State. Next one, Georgia hosting South Carolina. 30.5 favorites, the biggest line so far this weekend. South Carolina's got a pretty good defense to start the year. They're ranked fourth in total defense right now if you're looking at their yards. But George's defense is a lot better, even though they're ranked first, and that's not that big of a stretch between the two teams. South Carolina's offense shouldn't be able to do anything this game, realistically. Zeb Noland at quarterback, he got benched in the latter parts of this past season with North Coast State, came into South Carolina as a grad transfer, or grad assistant, rather, and is now the starting quarterback due to injuries. 30 points. That's a lot of points. South Carolina's got a good defense, but if you look at the teams they've played to start the season, are we really going to go on, oh yeah, they should be able to stop Georgia at Georgia? They they barely beat a below average ECU team and they beat up on Eastern Illinois. They haven't really played a team Georgia's caliber here. Georgia should be able to cover against South Carolina. Utah hosting or at San Diego State. Utah's coming off a bad loss against BYU. They're eight-point favorites against San Diego State. I like the Aztecs. 
in this one at home. I'm going to try and hurry up a little bit. North Carolina hosting Virginia. Nine points in favor of the Tar Heels. This will be fun. But if you look at like the past five years, I don't think Virginia's lost to North Carolina in five years. Regardless if it's home or away or how good North Carolina's been or how bad Virginia's been, Virginia has not lost to North Carolina. And Virginia's playing very confident right now. They have a really good quarterback in Brendan Armstrong. I think they should be able to cover nine points against North Carolina. Penn State hosting Auburn. Auburn has played Akron at an FCS school. So, by that logic, Penn State beating Wisconsin week one. I don't remember who they beat last week, but at Happy Valley. I'm pretty sure it's a whiteout this week. Could be wrong, but they should beat Auburn. They should they should beat Auburn by six points. They should be able to do that. Oregon, Stony Brook, there's no line. LSU, Central Michigan. I actually thought about this a lot longer than what I'm happy to admit, but... LSU, 19.5, should be able to cover against Central Michigan. I have thought about it because LSU's offense is not that good. But I think their defense should do enough to be able to stop Central Michigan. This It's in Death Valley. They should be able to beat Central Michigan realistically. Ole Miss against Tulane. Tulane put Oklahoma to the test week one. I, 14 points. I think Mississippi should be able to beat them by 14 points. Even though Tulane is a good team, they put Oklahoma to a test. I think Ole Miss should be able to beat them. I'm kind of confident. I'm not confident in a lot of these games, if you could, <laughs> if you couldn't tell. Oklahoma State, Boise State. Boise State's four-point favorite. Boise State should win. Four points. They should be able to win by that. Arizona State at BYU. BYU. They're underdogs, three-and-a-half-point underdogs forever of Arizona State. I like Arizona State a lot, like Jaden Daniels. But playing in Provo, Utah which is where BYU plays, is a tough place to play, especially at night. BYU should be able to beat Arizona State. Not just cover, I think they should be able to beat Arizona State, who at times plays very weird, where you think they're going to do something and they just don't live up to that expectation. Remember it was last year, not last, two years ago or something? They beat Portland like 19-7 to when they were favored by 50 points or something ridiculous like that. I know it was two years ago. But I think BYU should still be able to beat Arizona State. It's going to be a fun game. It's at 7... Oh, I think this might be mountain time because, yeah, Iowa State's at 9.30 here. That's at 7.30 or Eastern time. Western time, geez. Pacific time. <laughs> Iowa State, speaking of, at UNLV at the Raiders Stadium. UNLV stinks. 30-point favorites to the Cyclones. They should win by, like, 40 or at least 35. Like, they should they should have no real issues with Utah, with UNLV, whose team in general just stinks. They're a bad team, though it's in Las Vegas. Do you really think there's a lot of real diehard UNLV fans? No, there's probably not. Most of that stadium is going to be Iowa State fans. I know quite a bit of Iowa State fans that are going to that game. It's going to be a lot of Iowa State fans. They should cover by 30 and a half. And then finally, Fresno State at UCLA, 11 and a half in favor of the, the Bruins. I think UCLA will win. I don't think it'll be by 11. Fresno State took an Oregon team that just went into the horseshoe and beat up on Ohio State to seven points. I don't think UCLA will beat... I think they'll beat Fresno State. I think it'll be very tight. So I'm going to say Fresno State covers in the game. And for the tiebreakers, I got Fresno State-UCLA 27-17 as a final. And then Iowa State 42-7 over UNLV. Team I think will score the most points this week. Whoever wins Mississippi State-Memphis. And I have that as Memphis. So Memphis scores the most points. And then who will score the fewest points? Stony Brook. I mean, they're playing Oregon in Outson Stadium. I don't think Stony Brook will score a point this week. Could be wrong, 
Could be complete. Hey, maybe it's a top five upset of the year. <laughs> or number one upset of the year, top five matchup here. Stony Brook goes into Oregon, into Outson Stadium, and beats up on the Ducks. Games I would like to talk, think about or not confident in are the uh, Memphis, Michigan State, Miami team. If Michigan State can keep the ball in their hands and just run the shit out of the ball, they can put Miami, keep it close against Miami. Um... Uh, Michigan, Northern Illinois, just the giant-ass spreads. Every giant-ass spread is scary to me. It should always be scary. Iowa against Kent State. Can Iowa put up that many points? They should be able to. They'll keep Kent State down, but can they score that many points? Moving on to the next page, Arkansas, Georgia Southern. No, I'm, I'm kidding about that one. That Arkansas should be able to cover. Wyoming, Ball State will be tough. I might switch that one to Ball State, so make sure you stay tuned for that. If you're just wanting to know what I'm doing, I, don't, I would not bet that game because I'm not... I'm not touching it, but I have to. I have to say who's winning. I'm not putting any actual money on it. Uh, San Diego State-Utah will be a really tough game out there. What other games do we got on here that I think are tough? Is that pretty much it? Tulane-Mississippi. I mean, just watching how Tulane played against Oklahoma will be tough, but I think Ole Miss is playing really confident right now, and Oklahoma's played rough to start the past two seasons. So, discounting the Missouri State game because that doesn't count. You beat up Missouri State. Like, every FCS team's done that. But, yeah, that's what I've got for you. If you didn't like all those picks, I apologize because I'm not really confident in myself. So, going through this one more time, UCF over Louisville, seven points. At this point, I think Miami should be able to beat Michigan State by six and a half. I think they can win by a touchdown. At this point, this is subject to change, so I would not bet that one. (laughs) If you're listening to me trying to figure out bets. Pittsburgh-Western Michigan, Pitt should be able to win by 15. Virginia Tech, I think, will cover against West Virginia. Oklahoma should cover against Nebraska by 22. Cincinnati should be able to cover against Indiana. Michigan versus Northern Illinois, Michigan should cover. They should win by, like, 30 points or something like that. Texas A&M should cover against New Mexico. Coast Carolina-Buffalo, that one's tough. It's at Buffalo. Yeah, at Buffalo. 13.5. Can they win by two touchdowns? Yeah, I think they. I, I, I oof, that one's tough. That one's really tough. Don't bet that one either. <laughs> Colorado should be able to cover against Minnesota two points. Nevada should be able to cover against Kansas State two points. Purdue, Nor, Purdue, Notre Dame seven points. With the way Notre Dame's played the start of the season, I wouldn't really touch Notre Dame at this point in time. But I don't know. Purdue is just a weird team. I'm not really confident in Purdue. That's the problem. I'm not confident in either team in this game. But I do have Purdue crossed out right now. Uh, Clemson, Georgia Tech, Clemson should cover. Iowa, Kent State, Iowa should cover. Ohio State, Tulsa, Ohio State should cover. USC, Washington State, tough one. New head coach. Maybe that's a spirit lifted. I mean, Clay Helton's been thinking about getting fired, probably been fired about 500 times at USC. So now it's the it's just lifted away. He's the burden of him getting fired is gone. Now they're just going to win games now. I don't know. UCL, USC should win. Alabama should cover against Florida. Arkansas should cover against Georgia Southern. Ball State-Wyoming will be a very fun matchup. I don't know about that one. Ball State's a better team based off past seasons, but it's at Wyoming, which is a tough place to play for these teams. That'll be tough. And the game they're coming off against Northern Illinois, another MAC school, it'll be fun. I'm not going to say a winner on that. Memphis should beat Mississippi State. I think they'll win that game. Georgia should beat up on South Carolina. San Diego State versus Utah will be close. I mean, the Memphis-Mississippi State one's weird because it's an SEC school versus an AAC school, so realistically you shouldn't be picking the AAC school. 
especially with how bad Memphis's defense is. But they just put up a ton of yards. But this will just be a good old-fashioned shootout. Uh, what else we got on here? North Carolina, Virginia. I think Virginia can cover nine. Penn State, Auburn. Penn State should cover. Oregon, Stony Brook. There's no line. <laughs> so Oregon. LSU, Central Michigan. LSU should cover. Tulane, Mississippi. Ole Miss should cover. Boise State, Oklahoma State. Oh, Boise State. BYU, Arizona State. Arizona State should cover. Three and a, or B, no, not Arizona State. BYU. Take BYU. Iowa State, UNLV. Iowa State. And then UCLA, Fresno State. I think Fresno State should be able to cover. So that's what I've got for you right now. But again, that's subject to change. So don't if you think if you heard picks that I'm not confident in, don't bet them. Okay, NFL games not too confident. In a lot of I think the Bills should be able to beat the Dolphins by three. That's about it. Just because I know that team more than any team in the NFL. But with that being said, that's all I've got for you today. Hope you enjoyed the show. If you haven't, I can only apologize. Make your bets responsibly. And if you hear picks that I don't really care for, or not really confident in, don't pick them. Because I'm not confident in it. I don't need my need that burden on top of me of me getting a pick wrong for you. I already have Tom to deal with. But yeah, that's all I've got today. The show was weird. I've got kind of a headache. So if it sounds kind of off, I apologize for that. I'm trying to... I'm tired. I've got a headache. I'm just trying... We're just going to need to get a show out. And I recorded it a lot earlier so I can try to get to bed early. So we'll see how well that goes. But for that, I will see you all later. Go check out the article on the LoganBlackmanShow.com. For the top ten NFL quarter or top ten NFL drafty quarterback prospects, so make sure you go check that out. Go follow me on all forms of social media. Subscribe to the YouTube channel and follow the Logan Blackman Show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And I will see you all later. Peace.